Jesus. This is the moment of prayer. Will your spirit still say yes? Listening to Shekinah glory. Yes. While we're praying at the altar and seeking the Lord. Whatever your prayer request is, present that unto the Lord. First and foremost, start off with yourself to make sure that you're in a place where God is pleased.
your name Jesus there is more that God is requiring from each of us thank you Jesus oh God thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus bless your Lord God thank you Jesus thank you Savior thank you Jesus Wherever you are, tell them thank you. And you don't have to take your hands off the steering wheel to say thank you. Bless your Lord Jesus. Bless your name, Savior. You don't have to stop working and say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Mighty God, the Lord is worthy of praise. He is worthy of honor. He is to be magnified, glorified above everything, above every situation. You might be going through something right now, and it might seem like it's the end of the world to you. But it does not dethrone God. Situations come and go, but we should still give him honor. We should still glorify him in the beauty of holiness. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your kindness. We thank you, Lord God, for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done. We thank you for what you're going to do. We live in expectations of your will being done in our lives. Lord, we honor you. 
for this is the day that you have made. We can rejoice and be glad in it. And that is to our benefit. And we realize that we recognize that it is beneficial for us to rejoice in today. Lord Jesus, where there's appear to be doom and gloom. Lord God, I pray and ask that you would touch the minds of the individual. Lord Jesus, that they would take on a new spirit and give you glory. Lord Jesus, you can be glorified in the roughest, the toughest situations. When fear is yet impacting us. When depression, oppression is trying to control us. We still want to glorify you. Lord Jesus, I pray for each one that is under the sound of my voice. Those that are tuned in and those that will be listening later. Lord Jesus, to give you honor, to give you glory, to receive the unadulterated truth, to receive your word, to be fortified, to be encouraged, to be strengthened in the areas that they need strengthening in. You're able to do all of that. And we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, for who you are. We thank you for revealing yourself unto us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, and so as we go forward in this service, we ask, Lord God, that you would bless your people, that you would bless, Lord God, those that are new and joining in to the service. You know what their needs are. You know what questions they have. Lord Jesus, and you're able to answer all of those things. You're able. And so we're dependent on you as the author and finisher of our faith. We ask these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, we want to welcome you to Inside the Pages, presented by the Cornerstone of Grace, located at 524 East Pasadena Street in the city of Pomona, California. Sunday praise and worship begins at 9 a.m. Wednesday Bible study, 7 p.m. And we believe the Bible is the word of God. You're not going to convince me that it's not. No, not at all. And I hope that no one can convince you that it is not. We believe the Bible is the word of God. Therefore, we are faithful. We're bold. We believe the best way to face opposition is by obedience to the word of God. And that means that there is no plan B. There's no plan C, there's only plan A, and that's God's plan. At this time, we're gonna have our opening scriptures, and I, my heart is excited about the Lord, and then we're gonna go into the, the word of God after a, a song of, of praise and worship unto him. And so, uh, get yourself ready. Get your fork out. Matter of fact, you know, get your spoon and fork out. Now, a fork is used for eating meat where you can throw the bone away. But we're not serving uh, uh, bones today. Have some meat, some, some good substance. And so let's prepare our hearts for a good substance. God bless you. Open the scripture. 
Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pasture. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Acts 2, 46 and 47, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with singleness, with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Amen. My desire is to be in the house of the Lord forever. And I think we have, all of us, have a good, no, not good, a great opportunity to make it in. We have a great opportunity because here we are today. We're in a good place. You're in a good place. We're in a good place to know what the Lord requires of. I love that song by Shekinah Glory that we were listening to earlier, that uh, that yes to the Lord. Is your soul saying yes to him? Is it saying yes? And so we're going to go on forward uh, this morning, not going to bore your patience. Uh, and so right after this particular song by a young man by the name of Greg Bott. God has smiled on me. This, this song was ringing in my heart. I didn't know he sang this, but uh, but want to play this because this is where I am today. This is where I am, and then we're going to go into the Word of God. So I want to direct your attention to the to First Kings, uh, the second chapter. And, and so First Kings, the second chapter, and we're going to talk about a subject today. And that is be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Bless your Savior.
The sentiments of my heart, God has been so good to me. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to go on into the word of God. Not going to prolong the time. But the Bible tells us, and I want to remind you of something before I read this scripture, but the Bible tells us in uh, the 15th chapter, 15th chapter of Genesis, if you've been following along with us in uh, Wednesday Bible class, we're in the book of Genesis, and you're going to want to be there on on Wednesday at 7 p.m. in the discussion, and it's an open discussion. The Bible class is meant for you to ask questions. And so certainly I think it's important that in any service setting, if there's a question that needs to be answered and there's an answer present, then it should be given. Sometimes a question may be asked and you may have to say, come back another day. Let me search this out. So, but on Wednesday, uh, we're going to be in service and we're going to have the uh, interactive Bible class on that Wednesday. So I want you to be there at 7 p.m. and, you know, call in and ask your questions as we are dealing with a very sensitive issue, a very sensitive issue that uh, that I think, ladies, we really want your opinion to talk about this. And so, but the 15th chapter of Genesis says that the Lord had spoke to Abram and said, I am your exceeding and great reward. 
you need to understand something today, and I don't want this focus to ever be lost as long as you live, and that is God is your shield. He's your provider, and he is your exceeding great reward. He's your protector, and he is your greatest asset. So let's hold on to that. Now, I'm going to uh, remind you of that as much as as I think about it, and I think about it quite a bit as the uh, as Greg Bott in the song was saying that sometimes he gets a cup gets some, a cup of coffee and just walk around and think about the goodness. Like so do I. Uh, that is my my plan in between service. I have a service to be at uh, this afternoon, but in between that, I'm going to get some coffee and think about the goodness of God. Well, I want to encourage your heart this morning to talk about being strong in the Lord. And we know what it is to be strong. Those of you that are athletic, you know, I went to a, a sporting event on Saturday, sat there, got a little, a little in the sun, watching uh, these uh, the young people that have conditioned themselves to run and attract me. And I mean, they were flying too. I just, they were really putting in some time. You can tell that they're, the exercise to be strong in that area has paid off. You're running uh, 100 yards, 200 yards in seconds and beating records. And so uh, they took some time to build their confidence, to build their stamina, and to uh, not just settle for being mediocre. I'm good. No, they didn't settle for being good. They wanted to be better than good. We want to be better than good. I consider those that say, I believe in God is just being good. That's it. You're just good. But when you're practicing what God is saying, when you practice what the word of God is saying, that makes a difference. Uh, You're better than good at that point. You've exceeded uh, other expectations. You've gone into a place where others have not gone. Now, the Bible said the devil believes and trembles, so he, he's, he's, but he hasn't gone anywhere and would never will be able to because he left his first habitation. You, on the other hand, well, let's go on into the word of God. First Kings, uh, the second chapter, beginning at the first verse, it says, now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon, his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. That the Lord may continue, continue. I I like that word continue, especially when it's being used in a good way. You know, residual income is a continual thing. Uh, And so uh, whether it is emotionally, healthy, a relationship healthy, financial healthy, residual, continue. That the Lord may continue his word, which he spake concerning me. 
saying, if thy children take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man, God is speaking to David. David is speaking to his son, what God has told him. We'll always have someone on the throne. We'll always have someone to represent us. David was a man of experience and he was concerned about his son's well-being when he is gone. You ought to be concerned about your child's well-being. Sometimes we just think about money, money, you know, insurance, and that's, that's good. You should have some insurance. You know, insurance don't mean that, uh, that something is going to happen to you. It just means that you're covered. Insurance. We, we spend hundreds on cable. We spend hundreds on cell phones and those things. But, and some people don't have, still don't have insurance that if anything should occur or happen to them, the well-being of the family is not, well, is not well-being. The Bible tells us in Galatians, it says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourselves least thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, I say this because uh, when we talk about our children's well-being, we don't think about their faults. We know our children. We know them because we know ourselves. And how do we address their well-being? And we try to address the well-being of others we try to address their well-being, you know, we, we meet strangers and we try to talk to the strangers about, about their well-being, about their soul well-being. We try to talk to them about maybe uh, their physical, emotional well-being. I believe all of this starts at home, whether it started early, as long as there is an avenue, it should start somewhere. So it can start today. It appears to be easy to approach others, preach to others, apply certain principles. So we think. We think outside when you, you uh, but we need to consider that it must be applied to us first. Timothy 5 and 8 says, but if thou provoke, excuse me, if thou provide not for his own, if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, denied the faith. Uh, what, what do you have to stand on if you're not taking care of home first? Then you're worse than an infidel. You're worse than someone that don't believe the word of God. You're someone that all you do is talk. You just have a lot of verbiage and that's not gonna do any good. Our ministry, the ministry begins at home. The church itself begun at or with two individuals. It didn't start with a massive amount of people. It started with two individuals. 
And so if you join us on Bible class on Wednesdays again, you'll understand no more about that. When the church age ends, when the church age ends, when it comes to a standstill, it will end with two. I know you, you, you thinking it's gonna end with more. No, it's gonna end with two. It's gonna end with two. So you're gonna have to stay tuned for that. Our children carry our DNA. So when you see them acting out, or I like to put it like this, when you see them acting like us, when you see them acting like the best part of you, you know where it came from. There are certain things that you see about your child and you can immediately point out that, oh, that's your dad, that's mom. There's certain things that I've seen and I'm like, okay, I know where that came from. I know where that's being reaped in from. You know, so I think all of us are able to do that, whether it's good or bad. We see those things and, and so therefore, because we see them, then we know how to address them. We know what to do, how to do it. Uh, my, uh, my daughter, or let me, uh, she ran up the phone bill to uh, cell phone to an enormous amount. And I, I didn't say a word to her about it because when I was younger, I ran up my mom's phone bill to have that amount. And so I didn't say anything and she caught the heat from where she needed to catch the heat from. But I didn't say anything. I kind of laughed at it, but I knew where it had come from and, and the reaping of it. And so I just use that for an example to say that you, there are some things that you see too, and you need to know how to address it. Now I could have approached it, but it was already being approached. But it wouldn't have made sense for me to, to come down on her and yell at her and all of that kind of stuff because I did that and I knew where it had come from. So that it had to be done a different way. God gives us wisdom on how to deal with things. And so it starts at home. Your children carry your DNA. So when you see them acting out, when you see it, it's the best of the both of you. And you know how to deal with it. And you should deal with it accordingly. David understood his son. Just like you and, and I understand ours. Uh, he began uh, holding him up before the Lord. Like Job. Job held his children up before the Lord. The Bible said that, that he was a man in the land of earth, or Oz, uh, and he was perfect and upright. So he practiced being resistant. He practiced discipline. He practiced, and there are those that, that are not in the church that practice principles that some within the church don't practice. It don't make them saved but yet they're practicing the principle. The Bible said that the diligent shall bear rule. So being diligent means that you're taking into account your actions and what you're doing and the consequences or the rewards of it. And you're, therefore you're making a well-informed decision about your next move. Job was upright and perfect. And he was one that feared God and eschewed evil. So he didn't like mess. He didn't like 
uh, dealing with stuff that was going to disrupt his thought pattern and his relationship with God. The Bible said there was born unto him seven uh, sons and three daughters. So this man had a, a full household. Uh, he had a baseball team and a substitute. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and, and 3,000 camel and, and 500 yoke of oxen and, 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 and she asses and, and a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all the men in the east. His sons went out and they feasted in their house, every one of them. So they were they were pretty well off and had their own homes. They, they wasn't living with family members. Nothing wrong with that if that's y'all arrangements. But it comes a time where you need to be on your own, gentlemen. You need to be on your own. 40, 50 years old, you're still living at home or in your parents' basement. And you need to be on your own. You need to have that experience. Ladies, if he's living at home, I don't. if he's living with auntie, uncle, he don't have his own, do not invite him into your place. Do not invite him in. No, that don't work. That's not for you. You you striving hard, you working and you handling your business and that person, I'm being nice. That person wants to move into your place. No, uh, what, did, what, did, uh, what did TLC and them say? They said he, he's a, a scrub, he's a scrub. He's driving his best friend's ride. You know, hanging on. Listen, anyway. They had their own place. They had their own But the Bible says that he would sacrifice for them. He was concerned about them that just in case they're not living the life. You know, when they at home, they uh, they whatever they doing there, he wasn't he wasn't trying to pry into what they was doing. He wasn't creeping around and looking through the windows or nothing like that. He wasn't using his spare key to just walk in and, and aha, you know, none of that kind of stuff. But he said, just in case, just in case it might be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their heart. And so I'm going to sacrifice for them. We ought to be concerned about our children. Not just concerned about ourselves, but uh, the legacy of what's good. David and others, praise worshipers, knew the need to set a good example. And so they asked the Lord for help. David was conscious, aware of his state of being, where he had been, what he has done. Just like you, where you've been and what you have done. David was aware of it. And all of us should be preachers, pastors, ministers, evangelists, bishops, whatever title that you hold, you ought to be aware. And you ought to be concerned with being a good example. And so he asked the Lord for help. You ought to ask the Lord for some help this morning. I used to hear the saints of old say, Lord, help, help me keep my vow. And I won't Take it back. Lord, if you help me keep my, I won't renege on what I have told you. Psalms 19 and 13 says, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sin. When I decide that I want to give in and 
make excuses and make arrangements for myself to, you know, God, you're going to forgive me. I know, you know, this is a gray area. That's what they like to say. It's a gray area. No, Lord, keep your servant. Keep me. Keep us. Keep all of us from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright when I'm not trying to cheat, when I'm not trying to roll in the gray area, when I'm not trying to make excuses for myself so that I could get away with something. But then I'm upright. Then I, I, I know that I got my act together. And I shall be innocent from the great transgression. So being presumptuous leads to greater transgressions. Psalm 51 says, creating me a clean heart. I think all of us should be praying that this morning. Oh, well, my heart, listen, you don't know nothing about your heart. Let me tell you what the Bible says about your heart. It says it's deceitful and wicked and who can know it. You might think you're okay, but what does God have to say? You, you need to check yourself. You need to check. And, and so we need to pray, Lord, creating me a clean heart. Oh, God, and renew a right spirit in me. My spirit, if, if at any time during the week leading up to this service that you felt a certain way, maybe it may not have been against a person or maybe it had, maybe it was. Or maybe it was something within yourself that you was dealing with. Maybe you felt a little anxious or annoyed as we, as we talked about how Sarah felt the other day. Maybe you felt certain, Lord, creating me a clean heart and renew a white a right spirit within me so that I will be able to study your presence. Don't cast me away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Lord, I, I don't want to lose what I have here. It took time to get where you are. And don't minimize, don't think that you have not become elevated, that you have not risen above sin. It took something to get there and you have to maintain it. We maintain it on our jobs. We maintain our levels of, uh, of employment. We maintain uh, the position that we're in. We, we adjust, we modify our actions and attitudes and all that just so that we can. Well, we ought to feel that way about the Lord too. Lord, I'm doing this so that I can maintain because we are children of the kingdom. And the day is coming that we're going to uh, change our address. He said, keep back, uh, cast me not out of your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. He said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Now, it's important that you maintain, that you retain joy because it's when, be, it's when we are not joyous that we start to mess up. We start to lean to the wrong side. We start to do things that we would not do. We start to substitute different things. And so he said, uh, restore me to joy and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then I will, I'm going to teach, the, teach transgressors, those that are messing up. I'm going to teach them not to do it. I'm going to help sinners be converted. We went out witnessing last uh, Sunday, every first Sunday, we're, we're pounding the pavement, you know, inviting people to service and talking to them about the Lord. Helping those 
that need to be converted, those that need to be strengthened, those that need to be encouraged, those that that uh, have transgressed, those that are in situations and said, I don't want to be here. Help me get out of it. Help me get out of where I am. Help me overcome evil with good. How do I do that? I've heard it being said, but how? To help them, to help them understand. Oh, well, wait a minute. I'm having fun. You know, and where I am, the, the pleasure of sin is great. The flesh is being fed. And that's true. I'm not going to lie about that. Well, you know, you're out there and you're doing stuff and, you know, the pleasure of sin. Look, it's pleasure in sin. The Bible acknowledges that. But there is the fullness of joy in God's presence. There comes a time where the pleasure of sin that is gratifying the flesh is not enough. The enemy uses the pleasure of sin to occupy you until or without the grace of God that you expire while trying to chase after that. It's like a euphoria. Any of you, any of you that have hit the pipe, any of you that have, have snorted, any of you that have, you understand what I'm saying, you self-sedated, let's put it that way. It only happened once, the enjoyment, and then you were chasing after it. Continue. You playing rug doctor. You was doing all kind of stuff to somebody. You doing all kind of stuff to get that back. You know, and so, listen, I'm, I'm going to go on from there. But to help people understand that you can't overcome. You can overcome sticking yourself with a needle. You can overcome, you know, there's a way out. There are people that are crying out on the inside. The outside don't look like they're crying out, but on the inside, they're burning, they're crying. How do I get out? How did I get here? And how do I get out of this? David, let's go on. Have you ever asked the Lord for his help? David knew and remembered the family or the frailty of his son. I heard him say, Solomon, my son, who alone God has chosen. God has chosen Solomon, just like he has chosen you. But yet he's young and he's tender. It don't matter how old he is. He's young. He's tender. You might say, well, I'm, 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 I'm in my 30s. No, you're still young and still tender. When I'm in my, my 50s, you're still young. You still tend to, there's still life experience that, that you're trying to get to. That you, there's certain, and when we, oh, thank you, Jesus. When we're in that state of, hey, look at me phase, we're still young and tender. It's when you get past that, hey, look at me. You're settling and you're understanding what life is. And that you don't have to have that, hey, look at me. It's all right to have nice things and enjoy it, but it don't have to be a, hey, look at me. That shows immaturity. It's when we mature, we stop putting big wheels on little cars. It's when we mature, we stop uh, adding, uh, we buy a car for, for $5,000 and we've, and we've put $15,000 of things on it. It's not going to increase the value of it. It's a difference in restoring a vehicle. I restore a 65 Mustang or, 
uh, restore uh, SS Impala, you, you know, and now it has a great value because it's been restored and brought back to an original state. That's different. It will sell. And people overseas love buying American vehicles that have been restored. Listen, maturity, maturity. We need to ask the Lord for help. David knew the frailty of his son. Solomon is young and tender. And, and I heard him pray and say unto the Lord, give Solomon, give Solomon, my son, a perfect heart to keep thy commandments, to keep your testimonies and your statues. Are we praying for our children? Lord, help them. Help them understand what this life is about. Help them understand. We don't know when that understanding is going to come, but we should constantly be holding them up before the Lord. Lord, remember, I call all their names out. I call out my brothers and sister names. Help them understand. Help them maintain. Help them remember what this is all about. The Bible says, now the days of David grew, uh, drew near that he should die. And he charged Solomon, his son, saying, oh, Lord, God bless you, Lord. David charged him. David instructed his son with the most valuable possession that he had. And that was knowledge about God. Now, I personally believe that that uh, that this was carved out of. That it had been minded, that it had been refined repeatedly by his one mistake. David messed up and David knew the area that he had messed up in. There's something about when you do something and it cuts deep and it hurts and you know that you have offended sovereign God and it leaves a stain, a stain that's not easily washed away. And so David now is, in my mind, David has this record in his heart. Something Solomon may have also had knowledge of. And so by this time, David had overcome this evil. He overcame evil with good. God testified on David's behalf and said, because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. And turn not aside from anything that the Lord commanded him all the days of his life with that one exception. That one exception. That one thing that hurt him. He realized his life was in danger. God wanted to kill him for what he did. Listen, so he began to talk to his son. He had somewhat of a relationship. So therefore, he had a voice. You need to have a relationship so that you can have a voice. It's important to establish that relationship and keep that relationship going today. Mom, dad need to know when to be who they are. I'm dad. I know when to be dad. I know when to be a friend. 
I know when to be a mentor, a warrior. Now, these things, I didn't grow up. No one taught this to me. I didn't know this all the days of my life and becoming a young father. But I learned in latter time of life. A great majority of it was not spent knowing that. But I learned it. Never heard no one talk about it. But I thank God that when I did learn it. So we need to know how to be mom and dad. That's the protector. Not a tyrant. Not a dictator. There are too many dictators, right? Do what I say do. And you know, and I'm your mom, I'm your dad. Do no, you need to know how to address that. How do we do it? How do we get there? Friends. We need to know how to be a friend. Well, I'm your parent, I'm your mother, I'm not your friend. So then God said that I'm your friend. How is it that sovereign God is our friend, but we're not a friend to our own children? We're not a friend to one another. We have done ourselves and do ourselves an injustice with that statement because it has been handed down from generation to generation that I'm not here to be your friend, I'm here to be your parent. Well, when are you applying it? And when are you a friend? What happens is that they don't talk to you. You're not a friend, so who are they gonna talk to? They don't feel that you're friendly. They don't feel that they can talk to you. And so then they go out and they find someone else to talk to. And then they come home with the results of who they found to talk to, whether male or female. They find someone else to become a confidant. And sometimes that leads to levels of molestation. Listen. So we need to know and understand how, when there is time to be mom, dad, when is the time to be friend, a mentor? When is it time to mentor them? How is it I mentor them? But if I'm not a friend to them, then how am I going to mentor them? It's a time to be a warrior, to step up. That's why you should want to meet the, the, the children's friends. You should want to meet their parents to let them know that you're present and to discern where they're coming from and how they are so that you know how to address your children, what they can, and what time they can go over there. You can go over there for a little while. No, you can't spend the night. Nope, don't spend the night. Nope, that's not healthy for you. And so you don't have to go into full details because they may not be able to understand all of that. And certainly you can't give them too much information where they go back and repeat it. <laughs> and so, but you, you have to handle that. We need to know all four of these areas in our lives. And I believe David had a grip on this. We need to know it so that we create stability. Now we might have three of them working. We might have three parts of the four that was mentioned. And so that may work to give some stability. Might be a little wobbly sometime, but, but if you take away and you just have two of them, then you have instability. If you take away one, you have no stability at all because nothing is going to stand. And so we have to be careful. We have to be very careful. He told him, he said, look, I, I go the way. Now, and some, let, me, let, me, let me back up here. Let me, let me back up here. I'm, I'm kind of running out of time. Listen. Some have been trying to get by on the minimum. Remember, I mentioned four, and so some have been trying to get by on the minimal, 
misinformed, running off cliches, following traditions without transformation and revitalization. And that leaves us with the same thing, minimal results. David said, I go the way of all the earth. I'm going, I'm leaving here. All of us, I'm leaving here. And so be strong, be strong and show thyself a man. There used to be a phrase to, that said man up, but there was no explanation as what that meant. Now we, you know, if you, maybe you was playing football or basketball and you hurt yourself and someone else looked at it and told you to man up, they didn't feel your pain. They just told you to man up. I've heard grown men telling children that, which is out of place, is wrong. You, you haven't even manned up, but yet you're telling someone else to man up. Listen, I go the way of all earth, be strong and show thyself a man. How do I show myself a man? David conversation is one that we, that we purposely avoid. It is one of the most important conversations that we can have. And that is preparing for natural, both natural and spiritually, it, that it should be done in writing. And that is the fact that he was preparing to leave. It's a conversation that is uncomfortable at times. But when you know uh, that when you live a life and the relationship is right, yes, it could be sorrowful, but it won't be as painful as trying to deal with things after the aftermath of losing someone. And it's a shamble. It's out of order. There's nothing that has been put or structured to help you along the way. Parents, that is a responsibility. He said this, now this leads to the experience of generational wealth. Instead of a rumor, someone else's experience of generational wealth or myth that we heard on talk shows. Well, I've heard about generational wealth on talk shows and different things, but you know, my mom passed and, and there wasn't, there was no generational wealth. There was not a word of encouragement. There was not anything, you know, that was substance that, that gave me something so that I could live off of and grow and have residual meaning to it. Thank you, Jesus. He said, before I go, I need you to understand what is going to take place. Uh, you live in a palace, you, you live in good, but that's not it. Uh, you have deep pockets, but that's not it. Uh, you have servants, but that's not it. Uh, you heard me praying. You went to church with me. You accompanied me to service. You see me give offerings and different, but that's not it. Maybe you're a member of the church, served on auxiliary, sit on the deacon board, the motherboard, ministerial staff, sang in a choir, but that is not it. That's not it. No. He goes on to tell him what it really is. He said, keep the charge of the Lord. I'm telling you to man up. If you're going to be a man, if you go, uh, not a, don't cower out of this. Keep the charge of the Lord and walk in his ways. Keep his statues and his commandments and his judgment. So you got to stop and think about all of this. It's not overwhelming. It's not an overwhelming conversation. It's not an overwhelming thought. He is just laying it out. 
that God has so much to offer and you're not going to benefit from it unless you do these things. Walk in his way. That means when I get up, when you get up, when we rise up in the day, that we've already thought about, how am I gonna conduct myself? Well, I'm gonna conduct myself by looking how God would do it. Well, this is his word. Don't you know that many of the instances that we deal with, we avoid by keeping the word of God? I don't have to lie because I'm constantly telling the truth. I don't have to be shady in my business dealings because I'm just not going to do it. I don't have to, you know, and so the list goes on. You, you understand by keeping the, the will of the Lord, knowing that that's offensive to him. After a while, it, it just becomes our nature. We're not going to have to think about it. I know that is not going to please God, so I'm not going to do it. And I'm crucifying the flesh. And after a while, I don't have to crucify it as much as I used to because so much of it is dead now. So much of it has died out. I'm mature. That's maturity. My, my godmother used to tell me, she said, dead men feel no pain because I had said some things. My, my neighbor did something. I was ready to rip him a new one. And my godmother said, dead man, feel no pain. I had to digest that. Just like you're digesting what I'm saying right now. That was years ago. Children was young. I, I thought I was, you know, I felt invulnerable. I was ready to take on the world. And my godmother pulled my coattail many times. I believe that's why I'm standing here today. Thank you, Lord. He said, keep the charge of the Lord. Walk in his ways. Keep his statutes. Man, you have to understand what God is requiring of you. Lord, what are you requiring of me? I, I can reach a word. I, I can pick your word up and begin reading it, understanding it. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 29 and 29, and so many people get caught up on this. And, and, and so it says the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. People get caught up on the secret things. Oh, I know a mystery. Well, if the mystery that is being revealed doesn't line up with the word of God, you don't have nothing at all. I'm going to put it like that. If it doesn't, well, I got a rhema word, but does the rhema word line up with the word of God? Because if it don't, you just have some words. The secret things belong unto the Lord, our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us. And so God has revealed it in his word. Those things that are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of the law. That's what God is interested in. Us doing his will and his will is found written inked on the pages of this book that we call the Bible. He said, keep the charge of the Lord to walk in his way, to keep the statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies. As it is written in the law of Moses, that ye may prosper in all that thou doest and whatsoever. Man, you got to know and understand what God is requiring of you. You should be crying out. This is a good time for altar call. It's a good time to seek the Lord right now. You should be crying out unto the Lord. Teach me. Search my heart. Let's take this moment. Lord, search my heart. Forgive me.
forgive my son, forgive my daughters. If, you know, you ought to ask God to forgive them. Forgive things that your children may have done that they didn't know. Lord, help me to live and to do what you require of me. You're the intercessor. You make intercessory prayer for the household. Doesn't matter how old they are. If your, if your sons and daughters are 50s and, and you in your 80s, you ought to be praying for them still. Lord, keep them. Lord, if they've done something to offend you, Lord, forgive them. Lord, and forgive me if I've done something that have offended you. You ought to anoint yourself with oil so that when you hug or when you shake hands with that, when you meet the family or you shake hands with that business partner, you're anointing. I didn't say lather up in it where you leave them oily. I'm just talking about you walking in the anointing. Because the Bible said the anointing destroys the yoke. I didn't say a quickening where you, you hug them and all of a sudden you start trembling all over the place and knocking folks down and stuff. No, that's a quickening. That's emotionalism at some, in some instances. But the anointing destroys the yoke. There's yokes that need to be destroyed this morning. Thank you, Father. The 10th chapter of Deuteronomy, and I'm closing, it says, Now, Israel, what do the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord in his statutes, which I command thee this day for good. Micah 6 and 8 says, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what do of the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, righteous, just as just being righteous, and to love mercy, not trying to see evil upon somebody. You're going to reap what you sow, and so are you. <laughs> no, be merciful, be kind, and to walk humbly with God. The fourth verse says that the Lord may continue his word, which he has spoken concerning me. Saying, if thy children take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee a man on the throne of Israel. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your kindness and your mercy. Lord, we pray and ask that you would bless each one that have listened so patiently to your word. Lord, that they have considered themselves and their actions and what they do. Lord, I pray and ask for the strength and your encouragement among your people, Lord God, as they strive, as they overcome, as they do your will. We ask these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Savior. Listen, I want to encourage you to visit ConnectingTruth.org. If you have prayer requests, have questions regarding the Word of God, I had a very good conversation on last week uh, with someone that uh, regarding the blood. The blood. Was there blood in the garden? Will there be blood in the end? And so you may have a question. 
regarding the, the word of God, something that you've heard through the teaching, you know, and so I want to invite you again to go to connectingtruth.org and uh, submit your questions or prayer requests. God bless you. Thank you, Savior. Mighty God. So again, um, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we'll uh, interactive Bible study regarding uh, Genesis. And, you know, really want to humanize. We read about people in the scripture, but we don't often, we don't humanize them enough to let them know these are real people, just like you and I, real people. And so since they're real, then we certainly want to um, to address that and talk about that because they have real, real emotions. They dealt with situations you're dealing with. You know, he cheated on me. All of this kind of stuff. And so we're dealing with that. Listen, now the scenario on Wednesday is not that that he cheated on her, but <laughs> but but we're, But we're dealing with Hagar, Hagar, Sarah, and Abraham. And I feel sorry. I feel bad for Hagar. I feel bad for her. She was caught right in the middle of the situation. And that was that was rough. And, and so we have a female minister that's going to be on talking about that with us on Wednesday. So join us Wednesday at 7 o'clock as we go into the Word of God. God bless you. We'll see you then.